Hello and welcome to the Hey You Got This podcast. My name is Lizzie. And my name is Stacia. And we are your hosts in all things wellness weird. Damn it. I don't know why. <laughs> Every time. You came in so hot and then you just like. <laughs> Second guess myself like I always do. Okay. No, you are great. <laughs> you guys, we are your friends in all things wellness weirdness. Okay. <laughs> wellness weirdness. I will get it right. <laughs> Stacia, what are we talking about today? We are talking about sex, baby. So today we get to talk about <laughs> sexual wellness. <laughs> and I'm really excited to talk about this topic because I think that A, it's something that can make a lot of people be like, oh my gosh, like we're talking about sex and like orgasms and all these crazy scary things. <laughs> I'm like, okay, these things need to not be scary. So today yeah. we are going to talk a little bit about what we were taught about sex and the messaging we received as well is like female pleasure versus like what's the norm and just so many topics on sexual wellness, but especially as it pertains to women and their sexual wellness. And so I'm excited. I feel like it's going to be some juicy conversation and, you know, I'm not going to be shy away from sharing about like, you know, what I have learned and what I believe in and kind of like a no shame zone. So we're just here to openly talk about it and I'm excited. Yeah. And we need so much more of that. I mean, we'll get into it, but I think there is a lot of shame around this. And I was thinking when you and I were brainstorming this topic, how crazy it is that we have both been in the wellness and fitness worlds for so long individually and like neither of us have really ever talked about sex on our platforms and that's a huge part of life and should I I I feel like be part of the wellness conversation it needs to be you are so right as I was looking up stuff for this and I found this awesome Instagram account that I will link you guys in that's we are furly but I started to reshare a bunch of their posts in my stories and I was like oh my gosh like I feel kind of scandalous this post says orgasm in it and I'm resharing it to my story. And I was like, this is actually really cool. And I'm really excited that I have found an account that makes me feel empowered as a woman Mm -hmm. to like talk about sexual topics and things like that. So it definitely is something that is a very important part of wellness and something that I think we are unfortunately not taught to understand very well. So right, right. It's kind of like this weird, like everybody should understand how to do it, but we're never going to talk about it. And you're not allowed to ask questions. Yeah. (laughs) It's like Fight Club. Like the first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Clubs. That is exactly Mm. how sex is taught in this country. And it's not working out so great for us. (laughs) Yeah, it's not working out well for anybody. Well, and it's so I was reading Stacia always does like such an amazing job prepping and pulls all these good quotes and articles. And I was looking at the point that you made, which I'll let you read it because it was your point. But it got me thinking about how even... In terms of puberty, we like really normalize um, young boys masturbating, but like never girls masturbating. Yes. And it's like not talked about. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing, like as I I have been doing anti-racist work and thinking about how like whiteness is the norm. It's like men's pleasure Mm -hmm. is the norm. Like it's the default. It's like what everything is centered around. So anything else is just secondary or like an afterthought. And it really shouldn't be that way. And I feel like the quote that I have, it was from an article. So I'll link the article because I don't know the Orenstein that they are talking about. But this person points out 
that kids go into their puberty education classes and they learn that boys have erections and ejaculations and girls have periods and unwanted pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And that that type of thinking doesn't really provide the tools and materials needed to have a healthy sex life for anyone. Right. And I think that that was a really, I mean, from what I remember about sex education growing up literally was like they separated the girls from the boys. The girls learned about periods because like the boys shouldn't know about that. And it's like, right. in hindsight, I feel like we should all be able to talk about this comfortably, whether you are a man or a woman or identify as anything in between that like it's good for us all to understand how our bodies are functioning but it's that whole idea that like ooh periods bad bleeding yuck don't talk about it like a woman's sexuality needs to be shunned and put in a corner so no one has to hear about it but wet dreams are hilarious (laughs) yeah it's so crazy and I just think we are really dropping the ball and a lot of it comes from obviously like deep set religious beliefs and like the puritanical society that we are in that like uh, it is still an issue that people are fighting to get sex education banned from school. I know it's so wild to me and it's like this isn't like it is a fact that abstinence education does not work. This isn't like a feminist opinion like it just it doesn't work yeah because then you never learn anything right and then those are that's often when people really get into trouble um, or into situations that they don't want to be and I just don't understand why we are so averse to talking about it as a culture portraying it realistically which we can get into and just normalizing it like it's such a normal part of life like it's literally where we all came from so (laughs) why are we not addressing the elephant in the room yeah because it doesn't need to be an elephant in the room and like you said there have been many many studies done in other countries that have more comprehensive open sex education and this idea that like unwanted pregnancies go way down when there is more education and talking about it because otherwise like you literally well, you're going to tell your kids that like a stork brings the baby and drops it on the front porch. Like then a kid's going to go have sex and be like, wait, I didn't know that this is how I got pregnant. Yes. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I was watching the movie Good Boys yesterday after station. I got home from camping, which we can discuss in a second. But it's just a really funny, like kind of mindless watch. But at one point, these prepubescent boys find a tampon and one of the other boys is like (laughs) what is that for and they're like oh it's for putting girls put it up their butts so that they don't have babies and I was like this is why we need sex education people like oh my god that is a beautiful Mm. representation of exactly why because like literally and why everybody should be included in the conversation because that's what we are left with and like I wish that that was mostly satirical but I really feel like that is probably what most people like I wouldn't be surprised if most young boys do think something absolutely ridiculous like that yeah something crazy I also I mentioned in our last episode that I had a marketing client that I was working with for quite a while that was a lube company and something that came up a lot when I was working with them that really got me thinking is we as kids and then even when we're older rather than saying like vagina and penis we're like your pee pee and your flower like we refuse to just name the body parts Mm -hmm. which is so weird and that also puts in your subconscious like 
oh, this is a bad, vagina is a bad word. Like penis is a bad word. And it's not like arm is not a bad word. Like nose is, you know, like, why aren't we just naming our body parts? This is so weird. It is very weird. And it was crazy too, even for me, like coming to terms with how little I know about my body. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I started following this Instagram account this morning, it's like defining the word vulva. And I was like, you know what? I honestly wouldn't have been able to do that before this post. And I'm like, that's insane. (laughs) It's so insane. I know. And it is, I feel like that's a whole, I mean, that could even be a whole other episode, but as women, how we like, don't even know what our own body parts are because we're like, really, it's just like you were talking about. It's we're taught to prevent pregnancy and how to not like bleed everywhere. And for anybody to know that we're bleeding, Yeah, but we're not taught of like, this is your vulva. This is your clit. This is your, it's so wild. It is very wild. And I think we're doing everybody a disservice when we aren't able to have these kinds of conversations because pretending like something doesn't exist when it very clearly exists is not a way to move forward and like be able to make empowered decisions for your life and your well-being. So like Mm-mm. we need to be discussing this. Yeah. So in that regard, Stacia, let's dive in. What do you remember like your sex education being like? What was the general messaging you received? What were you taught or not taught about sex? Like if you could go back to like McMurray Middle School, Stacia. I feel like it started in fifth grade. Oh, did it? Yeah. See, I don't even remember. Um, okay. Chautauqua Elementary yeah. School. <laughs> like what do you remember? being like the general just consensus I mean obviously I remember there being a lot of like giggles when we knew that we were going to have like the week of sex education like oh my god we're talking about sex (laughs) so I definitely remember that it was a subject that was embarrassing and it was a subject that like this is gonna like be really just shocking and cringy yeah like prepare yourself it's gonna be bad and uh I feel like it was kind of twofold because it would be nice if like, okay, say your school can't, doesn't do a good job of providing sex education. Like, well, hopefully your parents can swoop in and like make up for some of the slack. And I'm like, that didn't happen for me. So I was not given any sex education at home and like talking about it with my family or my parents or my sister, even like we just did not talk about it. And I think looking back on that, I was like, oh my gosh, how nice would it have been to sit down and to be able to have these conversations beyond just the academic perspective, because that clearly, like the quote said, like we focused on erections and ejaculating and like periods and unwanted pregnancy. And I was like, that didn't leave much room for what sex actually can be and is, which is like a deeply intimate and like a connection between two people and however you want to utilize it in your life. But it's like Mm -hmm. so much more than just the quote unquote biology of it. Yeah, like the anatomy of it for sure. And I remember that that was basically the only focus. It was like, so here's what happens when you have your period. This is a tampon. This is a pad. And like... uh, Even at that, I didn't know how to use a tampon properly, probably for at least a few years. And I was, so I just (laughs) didn't do it because it was too painful because I didn't understand how to do it. And I didn't ask anybody. I didn't feel comfortable enough. And then you're like, everybody knows I should know. And the booklets that come in tampon boxes make zero sense. Or like, at least when we were in middle school, high school, they were like, made no sense. Maybe they've gotten better now. I fucking hope so. I, <laughs> I for sure remember my first period not knowing that you were supposed to take the cardboard applicator out and being like, this is the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done in my life and I have to do this forever. Oh my 
my God, right? It is the same yeah. thing. Like, I didn't know that you were supposed to, like, put the applicator in and then push it in. I thought you were supposed to just go anyways. Like, I just, <laughs> I really had no idea. And I didn't feel, I mean, I had a mom and an older sister. And I didn't even feel comfortable enough having that conversation with them. And I wouldn't say that in my household we were, like, deeply religious or, like, oh, there was these undertones of, like, don't talk about it. It just was just not talked about. And so that's how, like, I remember it. But. I'm curious. It's funny because we like went to the same school. So I'm like, what was your experience? (laughs) No, I, my experience is like very much the same and how I remember it. And I think no matter what, like when you talk to kids about sex, they're going to be giggly Mm -hmm. and awkward, but it always felt like, I also feel like it felt like a chore for the people who were leading it. Like our health teachers or PE teachers, whoever was doing it. Like it never felt like they really wanted to be talking about it either. And I do remember it being just very anatomical and, there was no discussion around consent or Mm -hmm. healthy relationships or pleasure. Um, And it was all just, I felt like especially how it was presented to women. And like, yes, we were 13, 14, but still like it's important to understand your own sexuality and like that this is something you can enjoy. And I feel like how it was presented to the girls was just like, avoid getting pregnant, avoid having your period. Like it was all just like, don't get raped, don't get pregnant. It was very like scary, Mm -hmm. which not that you should be like super encouraging really, really young kids to like go out, explore. But I felt like it was so terrifying that it just really got like deeply, deeply ingrained into our psyches. And then we all have to work on unpacking that for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And I don't know if maybe this is like a, Because you just got me thinking, I've never thought about this, is like, obviously, I think that there is a time and a place for being able to be taught the ins and the outs of like the technicalities of it. And that being in like fifth grade might be the time to do that. But then there should be in middle school, a follow up of like, sexual wellness. It's like, okay, so now you understand sexual health. So from like a health perspective, but also how do we make this more of like a wellness experience so that people that are beginning to get to that stage of their life know what to expect more realistically. So maybe that's right. like, cause you want to do, I do understand keeping it age appropriate. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And, uh, so that like, as our bodies change, obviously fifth grade is a good time to talk about puberty and all the changes our body's going to go through. But then there was just nothing else after that. And it was like, wait, we actually need a lot more than just that. <laughs> yeah. And I also feel like we, we just talked about like the very basics of like anatomical sex. And like, I remember being in high school and getting my first UTI and having no idea what was happening. You know, no one, and that's like adjacent, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, your bladder health and it it wasn't sexually related, but I still, it's like still like happening in that part of your body. And I was like so traumatized. I didn't know how to talk about it. And I remember being like, why aren't we taught about like this part of your body as well? Like there's so many things that I think we just, it's, I felt like as they were teaching it, it was like they're ticking boxes, right? Like, okay, we taught them how not to get pregnant. We taught them how to use a condom, but we're not learning about all of these other things that are really, really important. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know if that's the school's responsibility, but I feel like it needs to be somebody's responsibility. <laughs> like right. these conversations need to be happening because especially in the post Me Too world that we live in, like it's become very obvious that things like consent is not a concept that is readily understood by the people that need to be very understanding of what that is. Yeah. And it's not just the girl's responsibility. Yeah. And that a lot of that type of stuff does become the woman's responsibility 
possibility. And I think it's really interesting. Like I'm a huge language nerd. And so one of my like favorite things to challenge people to think of is like, we always like, Oh, the woman got pregnant. And it's like, oh, no, the man impregnated the woman. So, like, mm-hmm. quit blaming. Like, it was the man's irresponsible orgasm that impregnated that woman. So, yeah, like, takes two to tango. Yeah, but it, instead it becomes the, the burden for the woman to bear because it is her responsibility about whether she gets pregnant or not. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. fuck that noise. <laughs> I know. I also feel like I should just do, like, a quick little sidebar. I think it's apparent from how we're talking about this but like Stacia and I are heterosexual like we're talking very much like traditional gender roles in regards to sex and we like fully appreciate and understand that there is an array of other types of relationships and sexual experiences I think we're just kind of like sharing this from the lens of our own experience and our own education but like we are always open to learning and hearing more. But this is just our lived experiences and the language we have, I guess. Yeah. Thank you. And I think that that is really important. Like I would never claim to even begin to be an expert on sexual wellness outside of the sphere that I am more learnt on, which again is the heterosexual That's norm. That's because you're not an old white man, <laughs> Stacia. So. And I just think it's so funny too that you mentioned that because I remember on a TikTok there was uh, this funny video and someone was like, the fact that men will ask a lesbian couple like, but wait, how do you have sex? Just goes to show how little men understand about sex and the body and pleasure because they think it requires like penetration or a penis in order to do that. One of my favorite people to follow on Instagram who I will link in the show notes, her name is Lara Parker. She's a writer for BuzzFeed, but she also has endometriosis. And so she cannot have penetrative sex. And she posts all the time about just like (laughs) how like so much of our culture is like sex is penis and vagina or that's it and she's like there are so many ways that you can have intimacy and sex with your partner and she's really open about it and I just I love it and people will ask her questions about like my boyfriend you know thinks that we're not having sex if you know he can't penetrate me but I have you know terrible pain so I can't and she's always like ditch your boyfriend or like here try these things she just has really great perspective on like why the fuck aren't we normalizing this and talking about it more and like gives very detailed examples and it's like her account has been so educational and informative to me that's Awesome. I freaking love that. And I think that that is so important too, because again, we're failing everybody here. So like if a man goes into a relationship thinking that that is the only thing that is required for sex or for pleasure, like everybody mm-hmm. loses. <laughs> well, I guess right. maybe the men are more likely to come out ahead, literally. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, uh, I, I do feel like there's plenty of men that earnestly do want to please their partners. And so 100%. there is a disservice in them thinking like, wait, what? Like, it's not just this. <laughs> right. But I do think standard like expectations around sex are, again, in like really old school, like hetero gender roles is like, men's pleasure is a have to have women's pleasure is a nice to have like Mm -hmm. oh that's like an extra bonus and it's like 
what? No. Like, and how come the standard sexual culture is centered around like we do whatever this is until and then a man has an orgasm and then we're done. Like that's mm-hmm. also problematic. Like what about the woman? Why doesn't she also deserve to enjoy herself? But I think, you know, pleasure is often really seen as a dirty word, a dirty concept. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And speaking of pleasure, how did you learn about pleasure and what do you wish you had known that you weren't taught? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I was not even taught in like our sexual education classes or conversations I had had with people that like that was something that I could expect. I feel like from the media in the early 2000s and our sexual education, it was very much like you're not going to enjoy this, right? You're just like there to like look hot and like make, you know, really pornographic sounds or whatever. And then it was through having a really, really thoughtful partner that I realized like that this was something that I could experience and also that I deserved to experience, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that's so important, but I think, you know, a lot of not just men, but like people in general aren't necessarily taught to like be considerate of others in that deeply, deeply intimate way. And so it was definitely not until like my mid to late twenties that I even started like exploring that and understanding that and also being like, Oh, I can go on the internet and I can Google this, right? Like I can learn more about this and it doesn't have to be shameful and I am allowed to experience this myself. There's actually a really great website, again, that I'll link, but it's called O School, O as in like orgasm. And it's all about, it's all dedicated to women's pleasure and they review vibrators and lubricants and talk about different techniques. And it's, it comes from a very like sort of anatomical perspective of like, let's normalize this. And I think we need so many more resources like that, but I definitely think And I think this is common for women. I think my own experience with pleasure and realizing that I deserved pleasure was like, I very much had to do that work myself to figure it out. Mm -hmm. What about you, Stacia? I think it's really interesting, that whole like concept of deserving pleasure, et cetera, et cetera, because it really, I feel like ties into self-worth and self-esteem and these issues that women are I mean, uh, a lot of people are not receiving the proper support as they grow up to achieve high levels of self-esteem and self-worth. So we go into these relationships with those things being lowered. And so we don't know how to advocate for ourselves um, in the bedroom, especially because that is the most taboo of all. But I do think for me, like it was 100% not something that I ever even really considered. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, this is a bummer that like, I don't really enjoy the sex that I'm having. Like again, when I was in a long-term relationship with someone and you're able to learn a little bit more about each other's bodies, like there was space to create that. But just as far as like in general, it was not something that I felt like mattered. And like, you're talking to somebody who was born and raised on Cosmopolitan. Yes. And that magazine was obsessed with telling women how to please men. And so, I mean, I feel like they sort of talked about like here's how to orgasm, but it never gave you anything actually useful. It was an afterthought. Yeah, I felt like a majority of it was like, keep your man happy. How are you going to, your man's pleasure, like make sure you take care of it. And coming from somebody who had really low self-esteem and like an incredibly low sense of self-worth, I entered into most of the, my like sexual relationships with just like, please just 
pick me. Please just love me. Please just whatever. And also that whole idea that drawing boundaries of, uh, hey, just because I am making out with you doesn't mean I want to have sex with you or just because you're in my apartment and we're, we went on a date doesn't mean that I want to have sex with you. So there's like a lot that's embedded into the culture that just like really screws us women over. <laughs> and I'm like, I definitely yeah. don't think my pleasure was ever anything I really considered probably until like a few years ago. So it's crazy. Yeah. It's like, I'm sure you've seen memes like this, but I feel like I always see memes of like, it'll be like a guy gives you head for two seconds and then is like, did you come? (laughs) And the women are like, what? No. But it's like, I do also, and I feel bad for, I mean, not men, white men have like a lot going for them, but it's like, I do sometimes I'm like, yeah, this is the education that you're getting from like porn and your friends too, of like how nice of you to go out of your way to do something nice for this woman for two seconds. And that's amazing immediately going to make her experience pleasure like and for women like our our pleasure is a lot more complicated like we often have to feel really comfortable and like be in the right mental and emotional state it's not just like a given necessarily so Mm -hmm. and definitely I would say in my experience most men have not really cared or taken the time to make sure that I'm comfortable or to like ask questions like again I think that it's so tied up in ego with men that like it would hurt their feelings if you were like, oh, actually, I like this. They'd be like, oh, like, how dare you? And it's like, wait, no, like, I'm not saying you're bad. I'm just saying, like, this is what I like. Can't I say Let's that? try this. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I also feel like that comes from none of us talking about it is then mm-hmm. no one wants to have the conversation of, like, I don't like this or, like, can we try something else? Because we all assume that we need to go in being like amazing at everything and just intuitively know each other's needs. And it can, it's really scary to like be vulnerable in that way and to have that conversation. And no one wants to be the one who looks like they're inexperienced or they don't know what they're doing, which like, who cares if you're inexperienced, you know, but it's, it's so ingrained in us that we have to just inherently know how to do all of this and do it really, really well and be like these nymphomaniacs. Yep. And I think that that brings up a really good point. And I'm excited because I know we're going to be talking about this next week, but just a little teaser because a lot of that I think is embedded in porn culture. Like the fact that uh, porn sets up all these unrealistic standards and then everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to be making all the noises and doing it like they do there and like I have to be performing as opposed to like actually caring about what the sex is there to do as <laughs> more becomes a performance because we're like okay yes like my hair has to be in all the right places and all the grooming that must take place in order to be like presented as desirable and that just porn sets a lot of really unrealistic expectations and certainly does not help the case. Like I mentioned before, a guy I dated in college thought that he was supposed to finish on girls' faces. Like that that's just what you did. Until he dated a girl who was like, what are you doing? And he's like, isn't this what you do? And she's like, no, this is not what you do. No, sir. Like you can. 
but yeah. And so it was just like, it's not just hypothetical. Like people are literally taking what they see in porn and thinking that it is what is meant to happen in real life. And that is really nine times out of 10, not the case. <laughs> not the case at all. And I'm so excited to talk about it next week. It's going to be really exciting, you guys. It's going to be real good. But also like really upsetting. I like don't have many good things to say about porn. So get ready. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to unpack there and there's so many different types and websites. And it goes back to what you were saying about like magazines like Cosmo. It's like, that's where we're learning everything. And they're not putting out good advice, but we assume because it's available that that's Bible, right? That that's like, it is good advice and they must know what they're talking about because they're talking about it. And so we blindly follow it and it's like, that's so damaging. Mm -hmm. And I would like to say that we are a very sexually illiterate country. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. I think what we really are looking for is sexual literacy, like for us to be able to have the language and the space to be able to talk about these things in an open and honest way, because that is exactly what we need. (laughs) Yeah, we need it. It's important. It's important for like healthy relationships too. Like, I mean, I... I can think of so many anecdotes I've heard about people who are like, oh, we have a bad sex life, but I just like don't want to hurt his feelings or her feelings and talk about it. And it's like, we need to, we need to be taught how to have those conversations Mm -hmm. and like how to have them in a really productive way and what a healthy sexual relationship looks like for everybody. And also how you can like advocate for your own pleasure. And it sounds like Stacia, you have some really great resources that I'm excited for us to link, but it's an ongoing struggle, a practice. Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy. I, it, I think like it comes down to like emotional intelligence and effective communication, like all these life skills that a lot of people lack. And then we grow into adulthood and we're really just oversized children who don't know how to healthily communicate our wants and our needs in any sort of effective way. And so I think it's like how crazy that you can be in a relationship and not feel comfortable to advocate for your own pleasure in a thing that is like a big part of a lot of relationships. It's not a part of every relationship, but it is an element that makes up a lot of relationships. That's a chunk of it. And I think that that just goes to show in a relationship, ideally you would have the openness of communication to talk about those things as well as like other wants and needs even ones outside of the bedroom. Like we should be able to communicate these things. <laughs> yeah, we should be able to communicate. And I, I do think a lot of this too comes with, like you were saying, just knowing yourself and taking the time to like, like I know, especially for women, I feel like masturbation is a really taboo topic even now. And it's like, mm-hmm. take the time to like understand what you like and you enjoy. And like, you know, it doesn't always have to be, you don't always have to be experiencing pleasure in these sexual relationships. You also need to have a positive sexual relationship with yourself. And mm-hmm. that's where like a lot of really good stuff can happen. But that is like also so terrifying to do because we are, I remember, and I'm sure I'm not remembering this accurately, but this is just my memory of like all of our sexual education throughout school being so like boys will masturbate, boys masturbate all the time, boys are horny. And there being no discussion about like women masturbating. So you like kind of think that it's like not something that anybody else does or that you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And our bodies are something that are meant to be feared. We have periods, we get pregnant, we do all these terrible things with our body. 
So let's just not ever talk about them in a positive way so that women are terrified of their bodies because that is definitely, I mean, I know that I felt like I was like a bad person for masturbating. I was like, oh my gosh, like there's something wrong with me. I shouldn't do this. And not because I like any religious undertones, just simply because I was like, oh, no one talks about it. I felt like I was weird for having sexual desires because I'm like, oh, I'm a girl. Like I'm not here to experience pleasure. I'm here to be a tool to please men. Like what? (laughs) Oh, I saw something on Instagram that was like, it was a illustration of like underwear with discharge in it. And it was like, raise your hand if you like didn't learn until you were an adult that discharge is totally normal and healthy. (laughs) And the comments, Stacia, there were thousands of comments and all of these women were like, oh my God, I thought I was dying. I thought I had an STD. I thought something was wrong with me. Cause like nobody talks about this very normal bodily function. And I was just like, God, we are so fucked. Save us all. What the heck is going on? We know nothing. And I remember, I feel like it was an episode in Sex in the City and like, uh, was it Sex in the City? Yeah. I think it was Samantha to Charlotte being like, have you ever like looked at your vagina? And she's like, oh my gosh, like, no, I would never do that. Like what the heck? And I definitely have those feelings of like, oh god like vagina ew like I don't want to look at my vagina oh like yeah like she's gross and like having these like um, I'm honestly feel grossed out by my body still at times because I still feel like I have a lot of those deep-seated messaging that like my body is something I need to be afraid of and it's something that I still am learning to this day to understand better but it definitely in general it's crazy it doesn't surprise me that a post like that on Instagram like blew up because like that is that's still what is happening for women where we're like oh wow like we cannot can we actually talk about this guys like please because we've never been able to do this before (laughs) yeah I know it's like just these weird things in your body that you're like I'm not gonna tell anybody this is happening because I don't want them to find out and also like what if I die but I don't want anyone to know that I'm dying so I'm just gonna like keep this to myself it's so weird it's so strange weird and I feel like uh, speaking of Instagram accounts like Kenzie Brenna I will link her in here she does a lot to like uh, make it more socially acceptable to talk about periods like she'll talk about like oh yep another pair of underwear ruined and she'll like show like blood stains on her sheets or like show what is going on and I just think that that type of transparency is so empowering because it's like okay it doesn't have to be the center of every conversation but the fact that we can just be like oh right okay and just move along because we don't need to like obsess about it but just have the space to be able to talk about it I know and things like that I feel like would have been so helpful for all of us when you're like first starting your period and it's really unpredictable and you don't really have the hang of it yet and you're staining anything and everything that you come in contact with like seeing that normalized I think would have been so helpful for all of us because you just kind of assume that everyone else knows how to do it well and you're somehow doing everything wrong yeah (laughs) Uh, the joys the joys of being a woman in America Do you have anything else to add, Stacia? Any last thoughts on sexual wellness or sexual health? I mean, I think that this was a great introduction to the topic and there's like so much we could talk about, which I'm sure we'll have many more follow-up episodes that detail different things that we've talked about a bit more in depth. But I do really just, I hope that this maybe encourages you to dive a little deeper into your own sexual wellness and what it means to you. Because again, the perspective Lizzie and I shared is very much so the heteronormative finding pleasure between a man and a woman, but however pleasure looks for you is like, 
totally cool. And learning more to explore that and be more comfortable with your body. I think it's all just part of the process of learning more about yourself. And that's something that I am obviously a huge advocate of. And so I hope that this just inspires you to perhaps think about something that maybe you felt embarrassed about or that you haven't felt like you've had space to talk about. Just kind of like journal, process those thoughts. But we just hope we've created a little bit of space to be like, hey, your sexual wellness really matters and it's really important and it needs to be talked about. And so I'm excited to just like between our platforms and on our Instagram and stuff, just to be able to continue to have that conversation. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And I hope that, like Stacia said, that this inspires you guys to either have more conversations with yourself or with, you know, really close friends that you feel safe having these conversations with or with a partner, but just to like be considering it and be a little bit more aware of it. Because I do think, you know, sexual wellness is a huge part of your overall wellness and you can't, we can't constantly ignore it and keep like pushing it under the rug. It deserves to be out in the light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love to know your yay for the day, Stacia. Yes, let's do it. I feel like we both might have similar ones, but I don't know. I think we probably have the same yay. (laughs) Yeah, because the biggest part of the yay was that after years and years, Lizzie and I finally got to be reunited this weekend, and it was so good to see her in the flesh. It was so wonderful. And get to see her beautiful, smiling face. So we got to take a little excursion out to the Olympic Peninsula and we went for a camping trip just for one overnight stay. And it was just a really nice, fun time having great conversations around the campfire and reflecting on a lot. I mean, I feel like if we would have recorded it, it would have been like a mega podcast episode because we just love having these conversations. (laughs) I know we can't help ourselves. So it's just nice to be in person with Lizzie. And then also shout out to like the most amazing campfire discovery ever. So for anybody going camping this summer, do yourself a favor, (laughs) prepare yourself and bring some ripe bananas with you, some peanut butter, mini marshmallows and chocolate and some foil And so you slice the banana down the middle and stuff it with all those goodies, wrap it in foil and put it on the fire. And you get this like incredible like banana creme brulee, bananas, fosters, delicious, melty, gooey deliciousness. And like we both had one and then we all looked at each other and we're like, we're we're doing another one, right? (laughs) Like, Yeah, so everyone's going to have another one of these, right? It was so good. Like hands down. It was truly amazing. And we we definitely were like, how many bananas? bananas do we have like how many of these can we make this is the best thing ever I know I told my sister it was like literally when she was like how is camping I was like Steph these bananas and she's like wait can we like go do that right now because that sounds amazing (laughs) (laughs) so yeah if you haven't tried it yet guys definitely do and if you have and you're like Stacia this is old news like forgive me I'm just discovering this okay (laughs) it's the best yeah that was I want to eat that every single day me too but that is my yay for the day good times with good Good people making good memories with good food. And like, what more does a girl need? So I would love to hear yours though. My yay for the day is the same. I did not grow up camping, so I don't feel comfortable like just being like, I'm going to go camping. And I've been wanting to get out of my house for a while because I've been here since March. Thanks quarantine. And so I just was like, hey, random like 
two friends who have never met each other, let's go camping. And it worked out so well and it was so fun and it just felt so satisfying. And it was like three badass women camping by ourselves. And we it built was a just, fire. Feel, <laughs> we built a fire. We made bananas on the fire. We went on a hike, which I'm like kind of sore from that hike. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and it was just really wonderful and it felt very like life giving. So that is my yay for the day. Here, here. I couldn't agree more. So thank you guys so much for listening, for showing up for this topic and, uh, you know, going through uh, talking about something that maybe is a little uncomfortable for you, but hopefully we're helping to lessen that uncomfortability by making it more acceptable. And if you have any questions that come up for you during this episode or any episode, obviously feel free to reach out to us because we love following up with you guys and having conversations beyond just the conversation we have with our each other so we are always here as your friends in weird wellness oh my god see there you go in wellness weirdness <laughs> and we want to talk to you <laughs> and we love all the positive reviews and they mean the world to us and your support is just amazing and in case you missed out on the exciting news from last week's episode I do want to remind you that I am launching the Total Body Confidence Breakthrough Program, which is a highly interactive eight-week transformation opportunity that is filled with amazing workouts that I guide you in, as well as a more mindful, heart-centered approach to fitness and wellness that is going to have you feeling your best and feeling strong and confident inside and out. And I am so excited to be able to offer this to everybody. And really the best part about this is that we are going to be creating a community of women going through this together and I am going to be there to support you along the way. So it is guided by me, but you have all the materials inside an online portal so that you have access to that for life. And it's a program that can be repeated for life. So if you are interested in learning more, definitely in the show notes, check out the link that goes to get you on the wait list if we aren't quite live yet. I also offer a five-day mini course that is designed to jumpstart your health and wellness journey. And it is full of five days of simple to follow tools and resources sent directly to your inbox. And that is going to be available in the show notes as well. So feel free to sign up for that. It really is an awesome resource that I had a lot of fun putting together and that people are loving so far. So definitely check that out. And thank you so much for letting me just do a little plug there for my business. But it's something that I'm really, really passionate about and so excited to be able to offer to you all. So stay tuned for more information. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for being here, for listening, for your topic requests, and just for being you. You're the best. And don't forget, hey, you got this. Hi, you guys. Stacia and I are so excited to share that we now have a Hey, You Got This podcast newsletter that you can sign up for. The link is in our show notes as well as our Instagram bio. And by signing up for our email list, you will be notified every time a fresh episode drops. You will get extra show notes and details from each episode, along with some other fun and exclusive pieces of content from Stacia and I. Thank you so much for your support, and we can't wait to see you in your inbox.